Um, so turn with me to uh, Second Chronicles in verse 34. And you know, we are doing our first principles series, chapter 34, Second, Second Chronicles 34, and we'll pick up in verse 1 in a minute. But we're doing our first principles, and if those of you who are visiting, it really comes from in the book of Hebrews, talks about once you are starting to, once you are a Christian and you're growing, it says, let us leave the elementary teachings or in another version, the first principles of Christ and go on to maturity. So we believe in teaching and learning and growing in the Bible, of course, all, all our lives, but there's got to be a starting point. Everybody's got to be humble enough to go, how do I get right with God? And what does God desire from the scriptures? And uh, you necessarily can't just go by your own heart. You'll realize the heart is deceitful of all things. So we're teaching that. So men, we did, brothers, we did the seeking God study. Yes. This Wednesday, Asani said the women will be doing seeking God. And uh, really grab this, and I'm speaking to the members of the church and anybody visiting, please, if you want to come, you're going to learn really the one-on-one steps on what it means to get right with God and what does God desire. It's very informative. It's a series of about eight weeks, and uh, it's going to be awesome. But I want the disciples to really get excited about this, whether you know it or not. And that's what we're going to look at today because I'm trying to get, I want us all to get prepared to realize that the reality of the value of having God's truth, it can grow like almost like, not on purpose, but it can just, we can take it for granted because yes. it's so accessible. Yeah. So look at with me in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 34, verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed the ways of his father, not turning aside to the right or to the left. So here we see eight years old. How in the world, what are we doing here at eight years old? Well, there had to be people still around him, but that was the way people were appointed by that. And God allowed this to happen. But we see the Bible in a proverb says, train a child in the in the Lord and when they're old they will not turn from it so it, it says it doesn't know but it says as as people raising children your kids may have to go off and be the prodigal son and go out and even though you're gonna try to tell them to avoid the mistakes you made <laughs> you know I don't know they sometimes you just got to go out there and beat yourself down and hopefully crawl back and then because they got to want God on their own but they will understand and you can see Josiah did what was right in the eyes of the Lord from the ways of David. And David wasn't his direct physical father, but he was a father in the faith and the way of life that they taught. Yes. And it did not turn aside. Now look in verse 3. In the eighth year of his reign, so that means he was eight years old when he, when he was appointed. Now he's eight years in his reign, so now he's 16. Yeah. So he's trying to, obviously, his, the, the way of life that was shown him had an effect on him. Yeah. But in verse Three, we see in the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. So just knowing the ways of God or, the, or, or, or maybe that you were exposed to it and it was truth, 
you got to see the transition that once you get to a point where you're, you need to take responsibility and go, I want to seek God. Even if you're striving to do what you were brought up in or, or knowing God, now it's time you see for him. He goes, now I'm going to seek him. So he's doing, he's doing what's right, but he didn't know totally. And you can see this little decision change at 16. While he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. In his 12th year, so how old is he then? Six, 20. He's 20 years now. At 12, now he's 20 years old. He began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places Asherah poles and idols. Under his direction, the altars of Baals were torn down. He cut to pieces the incense altars that were above them and smashed the Asherah poles and the idols. These he broke into pieces and scattered over the graves of those who had sacrificed to them. He burned the bones of the priests on the altars. So he also purged Judah and Jerusalem. In the towns of Masana, uh, Ephraim and Simeon, as far as Nepaltali, and in the ruins around them, he tore down the altars and the Asherah poles and crushed the idols to power, powder, excuse me, and cut to pieces all the incense altars throughout Israel. Then he went back to Jerusalem. What's going on here? Well, we're, t we, we just, we're teaching the, the, all through the Bible. The fundamental principle to get right with God is you, each human being must go, okay, I believe there's a God, and that's a start. Just intellectual belief's not enough. Each individual God's wanting to have, I want to now understand who you are, and is there a way to seek you and know you? And once you start to seek him, then you start to build convictions, and you see at 20, he goes, wow. I'm not only just going to have my private relationship with God, I'm going to start to have convictions. Amen. And I'm going to call people to repent and move the sin out of the way. And he became that leader that God said at eight years old, but he wasn't having an effect at that time. Yeah. And that's what we need to do, not in a judgmental way. We have to have indignation in our own convictions about sin. And then we got to help others, but we have to really take responsibility for God's people and helping one another not allow unrepentant sin to linger in the church and have the standard of Jesus as he defines in the Bible. And you see, he went after it. This was a statement. Well, what's going on? Well, let's look, because just to let you know a little history here, when Josiah was there, it was a terrible time in Israel. The people that raised up before him, even though they had examples, they, they decided to do evil. And that's why you got to realize this is the people of God. Look at the state. He had to tear down. They had fallen into idols and worship of false gods and sin that was all around them with the people that weren't of God, that now they were influenced more by the culture and society than what God had called them to do. And it got so normal that he had to go and tear down these things. It was like business as usual, false doctrine. False church, false teachings. And you look in verse 14 of chapter 34. So now they're restoring the temple and he's going, man, this is a shambles. What's going on? Someone's got to stand up and do what's right. We got to get the people back to honoring God. Amen. So the temple's so decimated and so just trampled with idols and everything. It says while they were bringing in verse 14, out the money that had been taken into the temple of the Lord, Hilkiah, the priest, found the book of the law, law of the Lord that had been given through Moses. 
Hilkiah said to Shaphan, the secretary, hey, I found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan, and Shaphan told, took the book to the king and reported to him. Your officials are doing everything that they've been committed, that had been committed to them. They have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the supervisors and workers. Then Shaphan the secretary informed the king, Hilkiah the priest had given me a book, and Shaphan read it in the presence of the Lord. Then when the, Lord, when the king heard the words of the law, he tore his robes. He gave these orders to the Hilkiah, Alakim, son of Shaphan, and all the rest of those guys, the king's attempt. And then in verse 21, in verse 21, it said, go, I'm going to be tired if I keep reading all this. Uh, in verse 21, it says here, go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the remnant of Israel in Israel and Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Now you got to picture this. Great is the Lord's anger that is poured out on us and any human beings that have understood and had the way of the truth and let it fall and let us drift. Because the ones that had gone before Josiah and God's people had not kept the word of the Lord. They had not acted in accordance with all that is written in the book. And you understand that they're trying to do what's right from God, but they don't even have the word of God, which most people say this was part of the De Deuteronomy, the Old Testament, the four books. But they, 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 they'd gotten away from it so long that he was going by what he remembered of what he was taught when he was brought up and, and he started to have a conviction anyway because God is spirit. But they didn't even have scripture yet. They lost it. It had been so far gone that the guy brings it to him and he's not even, it's not even a number one priority with him because if you'll notice... In verse uh, 18, I love it, he says, he comes back as a dutiful person. And in verse uh, 16, excuse me, he says, he reported to the king, right? Your officials are doing everything that has been committed to them, so they're dutiful. They're, they're doing what's right. They're good citizens. We're doing everything you told us to do. And they've done this and that and this. And then, just kind of like a, the, oh, oh yeah, and I forgot kind of like, oh, then Japan said, oh yeah, we got this book. We found this book. You see, it's not even like he's jumping up going, we found the book. Yeah. He's going, we found this book. But thank God, we see that when the king heard the words of the, the, the law, he tore his robes. See, tearing your robes is, is grieving and going, oh, and being cut and indignant. Now, even in the New Testament, we saw the misdirection of the Pharisees when they asked Jesus straight up, are you the son of the living God? And Jesus said, yes, it is as you say. And at that time, he committed blasphemy and they tore his robe. They tore the ropes. Even though that was totally misguided because that was wrong. But they still had deep conviction and were grieved. Like, I can't believe you're blaspheming God. So they were like, oh, but that was wrong, misplaced because they were, you know, they were, they were mad at God. But that's what tearing the robes means. So for us, it would be. It would be a, a powerful conviction of godly sorrow becoming godly sorrowful which would produce change and repentance yeah. Yeah. Come on, Chris. Shaphan gave the book now you imagine this that you can that's fine bro we, yeah we, no that's good so it won't fall thank you how remarkable 
that, the, that, that Chauvin gave the king a, a report on the building program. It's all going well, sir. We got this, we got that, we're doing this. And then almost as an afterthought, he told them about the news of the discovered book. So no one really understood it. See, if, I don't know about you, but I carried a Bible around for years that was given to me by my grandfather and never looked at it. But I don't know why I never threw it out. I'd move and all everything, you know, sometimes when you move, you weed things out. And this is when I was single. I was priding myself that I could move in one shot. I had a little Toyota truck and I could put everything right in the back and go, I'm, one, I'm, a, I'm a one shot deal. How you doing? <laughs> but the box, you know, put things in boxes, no matter what, I wouldn't say, oh, throw that out. I'd grab that Bible. Maybe it was just my grandparents gave it to me, but it was a Bible, but I never looked at it. And I wasn't a disciple. And not only until many years later did I answer the call and invitation to go to church, and then someone asked me to study the Bible. And then when they, for some reason at that time, God was calling me. And like Chaz said, I stumbled in the kingdom. I, was, I thought I was okay with God. I didn't know any difference. I was so deep in sin. I was like with the Asherah poles and all that. I was so deep in sin in our society today. And then when they studied the Bible with me, the word of God started to cut me because the people that were studying with me had conviction because it had cut them. And that's where I almost had that aha moment where I went, oh, my gosh, I need to get right with God. I'm not right with God. And then I realized I want to start seeking him. I'll, yeah, I'll, I'd like to get together again. Show me more. I need to understand what this book says. You know what I mean? It's not just enough to know some truths. What am I supposed to do and how am I supposed to live? Yes. And what am I supposed to have a conviction to change? So... Look in chapter, 2 Chronicles chapter 34, verse 27. This is so powerful. Be this is God now responding. He says, because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before God when you heard what he spoke against this place and its people, and because you humbled yourself before me and tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. See, how people respond to God's word is a good indication of their spiritual appetite yeah. and the strength of their desire to please yeah. the Lord. A lot of people don't want to study the Bible or look at scripture, but they want to debate. And whatnot. That, yeah, we, all, we can debate all year long. Let's get to the Bible. Yeah. And then when you look at the Bible, it's not us again. It's just, well, how, do you, how do you respond to the words of God today? Josiah's actions will prompt all of us and me to ask you two crucial questions. How badly do you want to hear God's word and read it for yourselves? And what is your response to God's word? Now, turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, because I'm going to read probably one of the most shocking but true abrasive of scriptures second Th thessalonians chapter one and we're going to pick it up in verse three and it says here in verse three we ought to thank god for you brothers and sisters and rightly so because your faith is growing more and more and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. Let's just stop there. Your faith will not grow at all if you're not 
walking with God and continuing to seek his word for relationship and continual strength, guidance, comfort, and direction. We will not be a movement and continue to do what Jesus said. In theory, we can all go, I agree with that. Nothing happens unless your faith continues to grow to conviction like he took action to go, not only am I right, not only do I care about my personal family or my community, I'm also going to care about grandma and grandpa in Brazil that aren't my grandma and grandpa. I'm going to care about them as much as I care about my grandpa and grandma. Now you're rising above emotional connection and now hitting into the zone of God's love and his call to save, to seek and save the lost once you get saved. You start to learn to go, God, I can't care that deep. You're right. You got to go to God. I can't care about strangers. You're right. You got to go to God. So your faith and your love. And look what he says in verse four. Therefore, among God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith and all the persecutions and trials you're doing. See, if they had video technology, they'd have the Good News Network because they're, t- they're, they're saying all the churches around the world, we're fired up. We're not boasting in a prideful way, but we're showing each other, wow, look what God's doing across the world. Verse five, all this is evidence that God's judgment is right. And as a result, you will be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are suffering. You know, Priscilla, thank you for sharing. Yes. Priscilla and my wife are close. She'd come out of my house quite a bit when she was here. But I, I just love your, your fighter spirit. That's what a disciple is. And your realness, because it's obvious in your community you shared the suffering that you went through from pain of outside circumstances, your mother, but then also just pain from things that you didn't ask for, just wrong, hit you. Suffering. And that's how we're counted worthy, because it says this is evidence. You know, evidence has to be gathered. It's almost like, wait a minute, I'm saved by grace. You are. But God's going to trust and verify that you're biblically living in grace. I need evidence. I need evidence. Okay, I'm saved by grace, not works. You're right. But your grace must prove an evidence of what compels you like Josiah when he found the book of law. He tore his robes. I'm going to make a difference. So you'll see someone that's not just an autopilot. I'm saying, but you know, you're, you're actually can't stop from trying to change because you love God. You can't stop from going, help me grow more in my faith. Help me love more. And then he says in verse six, God is just. That's awesome, isn't it? Because God doesn't not see things, but we have to understand he's got you no matter what. And then he will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. Now, you got to have the right heart with that one. Because yeah. you can't go, all right, get them. Because <laughs> then that's not good, right? God just said, God's just saying, don't worry. Everything, everything's uncovered. Your righteousness, you're not responding in anger. You're not wanting revenge. You're not buying into hatred and, uh, and all the other stuff that the world is involved in. You're staying righteous with me. I got everything under control, even though it's not time yet. It's the end. When, 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 when I bring everything to an end, it will be. We need to hold the line in the light. And then he says, pay back those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. Now, this is one thing. I walked in this morning and I said hi to Krista. Where's Krista? And I love Krista because I love her because I can relate to her in many ways. We have kind of similar sinful pasts, even though we, you know, obviously I'm 
I know her father really well, but just, you know, but she came in, I go, how you doing, Kristen? And she goes, eh. <laughs> Smiling, saying, hi, Chris, but eh, I'm okay. And I went to her and I said, you know what? I'm kind of sad too today. <laughs> and I was. I woke up today and I was like, I was just sad. And Sonia saw that, and I, don't, and I don't even know why I'm sad. I'm just relating to you. I'm fine now, but by obeying God and coming, I've already been revived differently. I don't know. You feeling different since the first? It's like almost, wow, it works. Obey God and come whether you feel it or not and give, and your heart's like changed. I was like watching people preach and teach and do the welcome, and I was already like, hey, man, God. I was thinking if I would have stayed home and said, I got a sniffles in my throat it's a little bit. I'd be home right now going, oh, my gosh. I mean, God, I, I just, I'm not, that was a wrong move. Even though I walked in kind of just sad, but I had to, when I got to the car, I had to get out and go. And then I remember just having to go, hi, guys. And it's nothing against anybody. It was just I had to work myself. I don't know. Can anybody relate to me on that? Wow, we're all, we're all a mess. How are you doing? <laughs> My point is it's a miracle when you do that because I already feel so much better right now. And it's great that you are too. But I think God allowed you and I to have that intersection because I just went, I'm kind of sad too. But we're both here and we're going, oh God, we're here. So now let's get to the powerful part where I said this is really challenging. And most, I don't know how many people really read this or think about it, even people who go to church. But then it says in verse, um, uh, it says, you know, let's just pick it up in verse 7. And give relief to those who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. So he's saying all this stuff, all bets are going to be equal. Everything's going to be leveled. No one gets away with anything. You just do what's right. Know that I love you and I'm not missing anything. Even when you think you're suffering, I see it. And it's a reason, not why am I suffering? What am I learning? And I need to learn grace the rest of my life because I just feel unworthy. I'm just, I look at my life even before I'm a Christian and it still affects me. I go, man, I can't believe who I was. I became a Christian at 31. It just it plagues me sometimes. I've changed. But I'm just like, ah. Oh. But then I know it's good because I'm suffering even trying to realize how, how it's good because it draws me more to God going, I just, I'm not even worthy right now. And, I, and, I, and you're right. You're not, dude. <laughs> None of us are. But that, that just makes me more humble and go, God, thank you for your grace. Because look what he says here in verse 8. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Now let's just look at that verse. Do you believe that verse? If most of the world, you can't be right if you're not actively engaging and walking in the word of God and studying it out with yourself and the people of God that are actually challenged to obey it. You can't be in it. If you don't read your Bible consistently, you're prideful because how can someone go, I just assume I'm right. That's what I did. I don't know many of you, but before I studied the Bible, I believed in God and Jesus. I, you know, I was, uh, I, I just, when I studied the Bible, I didn't really look at the Bible much. I would have not disrespected the Bible, but then I realized, I just think I thought I was right. Yeah. And I don't even know, that's insane that I say, <laughs> because once I started studying the Bible, I realized, oh my gosh, what was I thinking? If the, either the Bible's true, or I just got to go with my own set of thoughts. And I had to go, well, I'm not right with God. Am I going to be the authority or is God's word going to be the authority? And I went, oh. and I realized I am not even knowing the God because I don't know him. I believed in him, but I don't know him. Yeah. And see, Josiah 
believed in the God of his fathers and he was appointed a king in eight years. That was God. He had nothing to do with it. He was a kid. I mean, believe it, guys. You don't go back there and that kid had like supernatural adult things. He still probably had parents and help. It was just the appointment of power. And they believed in God. And look what happened when he rose up. But he needed time. There was still leadership. He wasn't making leadership decisions at eight. But they carried on with the people of God. But then he, he, he said he followed the way. So he was involved because he said, I'm going to do what's right in the eyes. And everybody respected him. But then he got to 16 and he started seeking God. And he goes, I want to know him for me. I believe in him. I've seen the fathers in the way of life that led before. And I've also seen the crazy wickedness that went south. That's amazing because if you look at the book of Kings, way more leaders turned to evil and drifted the whole people of God than the ones that stood up. It's almost depressing. When you read, you go, oh my gosh, he did evil in the eyes. It's like, who's standing up? So hard. You know, in that missions statement I read, for one time's missions, there was two couples in there that served in the ministry full time that are in trouble spiritually and that's why they had to get out of the ministry but we gave them severance and why do we do that when you serve that much time we don't just go you're out but they can't qualify to lead anymore because there's issues which i won't go into and things but part of it is we love and treat people the way god wants so since they served for years and they got into some there's i don't know personally but i know they send enough of a situation where they'd be taken out and if you've been in the ministry 10 15 years they don't just go figure it out dude they give them a little bit like of a job but that's mercy and what you're giving to on part of that is mercy because we even though we have to take them out of leadership because we got to honor god if you're going to be a leader you can't just be you got to you got to be honoring god Amen. but look at that read it again with me guys he will punish those who do not go know god and do not obey the word of god so how do you know god you got to know the word and in verse nine they say they'll be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the glory on the day he comes to be glorified in his holy people and be marveled at among those who have, uh, who have believed, and this includes you, because you believed our testimony. So marvel that means you've found them, you're seeking them, and you're, you're, you're anticipating it. When you, mar- you know, it says glorified in his holy people and to be marveled at among those who have believed. When you're, when you're looking at it, you're anticipating it. You're walking with God. You've sought God, but you never stop seeking to know God. Yes. See, this is what we got to go to. We believe this like Josiah because we have the Bibles. Amen. The Bible's so accessible. Yep. And you read this stuff, and maybe you were like me growing up, or a lot of people don't ever really think it's their responsibility to actually answer their own questions and go exactly what does this mean for me not just have someone share verses with them sometimes yeah. it can start there no you got to have to seek god now and you got to walk and jesus says go make disciples of all nations and he's not talking to the ministers he's talking to everybody becomes a disciple i'm a disciple Amen. you're a disciple and everybody rises up and and has the convictions and god meets us where we're at yeah. so you got to ask yourself, if you believe that, you're excited about seeking God because you're going to learn not only be reminded, but also you're going to learn to seek God and then help others understand the fundamental principle that God says, if you do not seek me with all your heart, you cannot find me. I'm not someone to take for granted. you got to get this awe, that, whoa, there's a judgment. And who, who is God inviting? Who is this God inviting me to have a personal relationship? The heightened awareness must be 
uh, raised for most people until they get the fear and love of God because the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And a lot of times we go, I'm not going to follow a God that I have to fear. Well, that's too bad because you're not humble. Because God created the world in you and you got no say. You've been thrown into the life of playground. You've been popped out of your mother. And now you're here in the game of life. And you're going to be judged when you die. So what are you going to do? Just keep walking around. I'm not going to follow you. you got no control. Where are you going to go? You can be your God and follow around. That's the bottom line is God says, I am God and you are not. And work through that. Because then you'll understand how loving God is. But understand God is the authority. And there's got to be fear. That's what calls you to commit. That's what calls you to go. Instead of going, I'm not going today. I'm not going. No, I love God. I'm committed. Amen. Because I'm carrying a message individually, but collectively as his church. And not only do I want to walk with you, but I want others. And I want to be ready to help others get excited when I show them the book of the law. And they see how excited I was when I was shown it. And just like Josiah, I found it. So in, in 1993, literally, I didn't know this verse yet, but when I was studying the Bible, I was like, write that down. <laughs> and the guy said, we are. We're going to give you the scriptures afterwards. Because I was like, what? And then I got into sin, and I was like, <laughs> no, really, it was like gasping. So shocked. So shocked where I was that... They said, where do you think you are with God? I just was shocked. I was in awe of where I was, and I was so grateful they were showing me a way out. They said, you got to get in touch. Look in 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians in uh, 7. In verse 10. It says, godly sorrow, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you. What earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves, what indignation, what alarm, what longing, what concern, what readiness. To see justice done, you can almost see Josiah tearing his robes when you're reading that. Ah! We got to get right. Not only me, the whole nation, we got to get busy. We got to turn this thing around. Do you see that with your own life when you read that? Become sorrowful as God intends. Look at verse 9. Yet, I'm not happy. Now Now I'm happy not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God attended. See, a lot of times we can walk with God or think we're walking with God and we're not convicted like God wants. We start to let those little secret sins of laziness and complacentness and somehow we categorize sins in our subconscious that we just don't even really deal with like we would on a real, like a deeper sin like we see before we in the world, like, you know, sexual morality. Well, what about complacentness? What about laziness? What about selfishness? These are sins that will take you out just like anything else. Do what the Bible teaches even when you don't feel like it. Kristen and I knew that today. And you guys all, that was a very powerful 
Does everybody relate to me? Yes, everybody's like, okay. So now you know, and obviously you're here. It doesn't matter what you feel like if you want to please God. It's not like, how, God's not going, how do you feel today? Do you feel like obeying me today? No, God, I think I'm going to take a personal day and just kind of put you to side and do what I want. We do that, though, don't we? And God loves you, but it doesn't do well. You don't feel good. You, you actually usually, and then when you get into sin, you just feel terrible anyway. So that's where we get. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. So you see, godly sorrow, you need to first go, what, what's God, what, why do I got to be sorry? That's a good question. So you got to seek God. So godly sorrow is seeking, understanding the Bible, and then you understand he wants you to repent, and then that leads. So see, it's a, it's a, it's a, a conditional thing, process you got to get broken over your sin, cut by the cross, and then you got to understand what do I do and how does the Bible say to get right. But until you get right, it's not a baptism that we go to yet. It's like, is your heart before God cut? And you got to ask God. When you start to seek God on your own, you got to become cut. You can't become cut because people are cut for you going, look at this. And even though we'll share our sin with people when we're trying to be relatable with when we're studying, you could see I'm cut. I'm disgusted at who I was, but thank God I have no regret because God says that. I have to continue to remind myself because I have regret sometimes. And I go, no, God said he forgave me. I'm trying my best. I need to see that. I'm really glad that it says leaves no regret. Aren't you grateful? Because we we, we keep regret, don't we? Even when we're changing, we keep regret. And then I love how it says it's a process. Godly sorrow, once you you start to get broken and start to be with God, you start to understand what does God consider sorry. Then you realize you start to learn to hate what God hates and start to strive the rest of your life to love what God loves. Amen. And that'll change you because yeah. then you're going to get broken. And then you're going to understand repentance and then understand what I need to do to get saved, to be baptized, yeah. salvation. And then you're going to leave no regret. And it says worldly sorrow brings death. So if you walk around just feeling bad, sad, and all those feelings like remorse, I feel bad at what I did, and you do nothing and stay in your... Uh, just yourself and not come to really God and continue to come to God, you're going to feel regret. You're going to feel bad about yourself because that's just the sin of life, shame. Because we still are sinners. So, GNN took all my time. I have to end now. I'm just kidding. That was an amazing GNN. That was an amazing GNN. So, I want you to, uh, maybe on your quiet times, I want to encourage you, let's go to Psalm 90, and I want to encourage you as I read through this, to study it out on your own, because it's short voices, but it's a broken, it's a broken, this really breaks me. This is the oldest psalm written, and it's a prayer written by Moses. And, yeah, 90, Psalm 90, verse 1, it says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or brought forth, the whole world, from ever, you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. Oh, that just humbles you. Return to dust? That's real. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. A watch in the night back then was considered like four hours. Yeah. Watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like new grass of the morning, and in the morning it springs up, and by the evening it's dry and withered. You are consumed 
We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. See, there's the fear of God. He's just, he's at the beginning, he's praying. He's, it, it, you can almost, if you don't read the rest of it and understand the heart of Moses, you can think, oh, but he's just being real. Who am I? What am I? And where am I going? And how, and really, what do I mean without God? Nothing. You're just a mist. I'm a mist. We don't, no matter how much of a difference you want to make, only with God will you feel that contentment because you're just dust. So am I. Unbelievable. And then he gets here and he's continuing. He goes, we are consumed by your anger because God was angry. See, not only with Josiah, if you read the Old Testament, it shows people just like now. People even can become Christians and they don't walk it. He's angry, man. But he's patient, not wanting anybody to perish. But he's not letting, he's not wanting lukewarm churches and people teaching wrong and people not taking their own responsibility for understanding the Bible. And then he says here in verse 9, or in, in verse, uh, uh, excuse me, in verse 8, it says, You have set your iniquities before, uh, before you, uh, our secret sins in the light of your presence. Whoa. See, we might decide what we're going to decide, but God goes, you're doing it for your humility. I already see everything. I already know everything about you, but until you're willing to be forth humble before a humans, you're not really broken. Yeah. That's why he says you got to be humble before people, not just fake it with me. You got to be transparent. You got to remind yourself you're nothing. And you're grateful because God loves you still, but you got to remind yourself and people that, whoa, this is my sins. This is what I'm working on. Now look at verse 9. All our days pass under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. All our days come to, um, our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. I'm turning 60 in January, so I'm like 70, 10 years left in my life, maybe 80. I got, you know, I don't know, but I'm not, I don't really project, but I go, really, from this, I could have only 20 years left in my life, and I've lived a full life, but I'm really in the departure lounge, and I'm not, I'm not going, I'm, I'm not going to be old, old just because I'm old, but I'm going to give it all I got, but I'm just, I'm just reminded, like, What? And I'm humbled. Now look at this. In verse eight, 10, it says, Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass away and we fly away. Now Charles sings that song. Oh, fly away. Oh, fly away. That's what that verse came from, is it? I'll fly away. And then... He says here in verse 11, if only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Now he gets to being humble. And this is what we need to do. Teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord, how long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us. For as many years as we've seen trouble, may your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. And yes, establish the work of our hands. And the church said, Amen. 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 
See, he brings it back around because he's so sad at the people continuing to fall away and turn. And he's like, man, we got to get this down. We got to keep it. You got to keep the fear of God and broken over your sin, which will compel you to see how much God loves you. See, we can't mandate things. If I have to come to someone and go, seek first the kingdom, bro, why are you missing services? I can still say that, but then I have to go, does that move your heart more than just this rule? Because if it's just a rule, you're going to get bitter and resentful. You got to get broken again and go, what does it mean? Why does God want us to meet together? It's not just for your personal health. It's bigger than that. It's a movement of God. And you need it, whether you think so or not. Everybody. So I just think, guys, as we look at the scriptures today and we think about seeking God, and Sonia's going to be doing it next, the fall of next week. You talk to Trevez, right, for the men? So you guys know the uh, quiz. Really go after it. I want every member of this church to get 100. And I'm not down on you if you don't, but just what I'm saying is give your best because you should. The test isn't tough. It's if you really think and listen. If five questions, it's a quiz. Nothing happens. It's like, bang, it's just for you. But it's like for you and before God, you should go, I'm going to do it. It's multiple choice. If you really look at the scriptures and study out each lesson of seeking God and then the next one, it's for your own good. Nothing, it's just, so if you have a test phobia, relieve all your fears. Nothing happens. It's just for you. But just go, hey, I want to fire up on this. I want to show God I'm fired up about the word. Amen? So, guys, remind yourself and the key scripture I'm focused on is verse 12. Teach us to number our days. What's that mean? We already got days. Well, learn how you walk. Learn why you live. Learn who God is and continue to learn about him. And then understand the incredible privilege to be with him. But understand it's a short time. Don't be depressed. Be excited. But stay humble that you may gain the wisdom, the heart of wisdom on how and why do I live. So when you, when you look at your word of God every day, whether it's on a tablet or in a real book, yeah. you're like, woo, I have the word of God accessible every day. Amen. Don't be one that looks at it like you're not looking at it. Yes. So to God be the glory. Amen. Yeah.